there's new opportunities in your life, it doesn't mean there won't be challenges. Right? I mean, sometimes we think, okay, that door was closed, and if he was protecting me from something, then surely the way that I'm headed is going to be easy, right? No. <laughs> That's not the case at all. In fact, there's going to be challenges. God presents new opportunities in your life. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges. So, you've heard, heard me say it this way. Wherever there's divine operation, there's going to be what? Demonic opposition, right? We're going to see it over and over. So, let's pick back up verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit now i have to pause there just for a moment because i love this i love that it's showing the the side of paul um that he was annoyed by this girl <laughs> i love it because uh you know i'm looking at this and i'm it just it just shows you um man i, I wonder what that was like i wonder what what was it what was it that that paul found annoying was it the repetition was it that she was saying this over and over? Because really, I'm looking at what she said, and I'm going, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Doesn't sound like anything that's wrong. I mean, I'm looking at that, and I'm going, I mean, John the Baptist could have said that, you know. This, this is the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. That, that phrase doesn't sound that bad, but for some reason, Paul has heard it now for days, and he's annoyed. <laughs> and he's got to put a stop to it. So it made me think, maybe I'm reading it wrong. Maybe, maybe just maybe, maybe I'm reading it wrong. Maybe this demonic spirit was saying it this way. Maybe it was with a sarcastic tone. I was like, that would make a little, little sense, right? Think about this. Think about the demon taunting them and saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I just find it interesting that Paul is annoyed by this, and I'm thinking something about it caused Paul to just say, I've had enough, <laughs> enough of this. So what did Paul do? You know, well, it says, Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. That's, the magistrates weren't stripping down there. That was taken off. They were stripping down Paul and Silas there. I thought, when I read that first, I was like, kind of weird. You know, the magistrates took off their clothes. No, then it made sense to me. But anyway, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them 
into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now let's pause there for a minute. Because I'm going to tell you what you and I, most of us would do at this point. If you and I were sitting there with Paul and Silas, let me tell you what I would be doing. I'd be saying, we should have kept going to Asia. That's what I, I mean, that's what I would say. I was like, look where we're at. Look where we're at. Oh, man. God closed that door. We should have. Look where we, we'd be. We'd be winning people like crazy to Jesus if we'd just gone on to Asia. And we would start building it up. We'd start making this trip to Asia ten times better than in our minds what it could have been, what it, what it could have been, and what it possibly. And then we're looking at our current situation and going, nope. But look where we're at. Our feet are in stocks. We're sitting in a jail in Philippi. Ugh. What a terrible place to be. God, what are you thinking? We could have been doing ministry, right? I mean, that, that, that's, what, that's, that's where I would be. That's, that's my, my mind would be going, oh, Asia would have been so much better than having my feet in stocks in Philippi. But let me tell you, thank goodness that Paul and Silas had a different attitude. Paul and Silas had an incredibly different attitude. Won't you notice how they responded? But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Others in the jail, the other prisoners, they were like, those guys are praying and singing? Verse 26, that suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Did you catch that? What was opened? Doors were opened. Hmm. Are you seeing God closes the door, redirects us, we're introduced to new people who join the team, hearts are opened to the gospel, chains are broken, doors to prisons are opened, all because of one closed door. One closed door. Let's, let's look at that again. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, was about to kill himself, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. We're all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wow. Just wow. Isn't God amazing? We get so caught up on the closed door. We so focus on it. Ah, oh, we didn't get to go. We didn't get to go. We didn't get to go. And God says, no, I'm closing the door because I'm, one, protecting you. And number two, I'm trying to redirect you to align with where I want you to go. Because the direction that I want to send you is going to do some incredible things. You're going to meet some people who are going to make a lasting impact for the gospel. One of the people that you're going to meet, Paul, his name is Luke. And he's going to write two books in the New Testament. 
won't happen if you keep going this direction. So I've got to redirect you. I've got to keep you from going this way to make you go this way so that you'll meet the right people. And you're going to meet a lady named Lydia, and she's going to start a church in her house. And that won't happen if you keep going this direction. I want you to turn around and go this direction. I want you to go this direction. I want you to align with me. Verse 31, so they said, by the way, his question again, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. You and your household. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Think about the simplicity of our role. <laughs> That's it. That's our role. That's it. The simplicity of our salvation is summed up in believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the simplicity of our salvation. That's our role. He does everything else. He does the hard parts. He does the parts that we can't do. He does the parts that are simply impossible for us. We cannot earn our own salvation. We can't do enough good deeds. We can't do enough good works. We, we, we can't do anything to earn our salvation. All we can just simply do is say, Okay, God, I believe. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't give them a long list. He doesn't say, well, you're a Philippian. Um, you're Greek. And because you're Greek, you're going to first need to become a Jew. And then you're going to have to be circumcised. And then, then you're going to have to learn the law of Moses. And then once you learn how to follow the law of Moses, then we'll teach you about how to follow. No, Paul... Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. And then Paul says what? You can do this, and so can everyone else in your whole household. Everybody in your household can do this. Verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and immediately he and, and all his family were baptized. I want you to notice something before we keep going there. I want you to look again at, at verse 33. Because I think sometimes we, we, we rightly so talk a lot about the Philippian jailer and how he came to Christ and how his whole household came to Christ. But there's something here that uh, for whatever reason I've overlooked it for, for, for many, many years. But I want you to notice his actions toward Paul and Silas. Look what he did. Verse 33. And he took them the same hour of the night. And what did he do? He washed their stripes. You remember how earlier the magistrates did what? Stripped Paul and Silas of their clothes. And had them beaten with rods. And their bodies were covered with stripes. And this Philippian jailer was not only saved, he and his whole household. There was something about that change in his heart. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I want to help you get cleaned up. I want to I help you wash, wash those stripes. Now, don't miss this. Church, listen. Even in our hardship, God will provide someone to help heal our wounds. Even in our hardship, 
God has closed the door, redirected us. And it's not easy, but we've come across people and we've had new opportunities and open hearts to the gospel. And in the midst of that, it hasn't been easy. But in the midst of all of that, some of the new people that Paul and Silas have encountered are now doing what? They're part of the very process of helping them heal. Part of the very process of healing their bodies and, and helping them heal their wounds. Listen, once you're on the right path, you're going to have opposition. And God will use those within his church to help heal your wounds. I'm thankful that we have a church that cares for one another, that helps one another. When someone is hurting, it's like, you know, when the, when the knee is hurting, the whole body hurts with it, right? And as the body of Christ, we, we do what? We should wash the stripes, help one another, help one another heal. Verse 34. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported those words to Paul, saying the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed, let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. We come to the end of chapter 16. Did you notice the change? Did you notice the shift? Did you notice the shift in pronouns again? It happened again. Listen, what, what happened? It says the, the officers told them, and they were afraid when they heard that you know, they, they were the Romans when they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. They departed. What does that mean? It means Luke is going to do what? He's going he's to stick around here in Philippi. Luke doesn't continue with them. Luke joined up at Troas, travels with them, stops at Philippi, and Philip says, I'm going to stay here for a while. Or, or Luke says, I'm going to stay here for a while. So uh, the shift in pronouns is important again. He's going to stay in Philippi. Paul and Silas are going to continue this journey. I want to encourage you this week to continue to read. Read chapters 17 and 18, because it's the rest of Paul's second missionary journey. The journey is going to continue. It's going to continue through the cities of Thessalonica, Berea, uh, Athens, uh, and then to Corinth. In Acts chapter 18, verse 11, listen to this. It tells us that Paul spent a year and a half in Corinth. And while Paul was in Corinth, he's going to write down, he's going to write two more letters. Do you remember last week we talked about in the book of Acts, which has given us this timeline of all these events that's happened, 
And at the end of chapter 15, what happens? James writes a book, and it's called the book of James, and he wrote it to the Jews. He also wrote a letter to the Gentiles that's found in chapter 15 of Acts. And then Paul affirmed that decision, and he wrote a book, and he wrote the book Galatians. All of that is tied with Acts chapter 15. When we get to Acts chapter 18, at the end of his second missionary journey, Paul is going to write two more letters, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. So if you want, if you, in your margin, flip over to Acts 18, 11, and you can write, this is when Paul wrote 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. The church at Thessalonica was dealing with a lot of persecution. And they were dealing with so much. It was so intense. It was so great that they questioned. They said, did we miss the return of Christ? Because it feels like we're in the great tribulation. You know, they were like, we must have missed something. We missed the return. We're in this great tribulation. And Paul did what? Paul wrote to them to assure them that they did not miss the return of Christ. And in his letter, he teaches the church about the nature of persecution and tribulation. In other words, Paul's letter to them helped them heal and helped them understand the tribulation that they were facing. Paul was helping heal some of their wounds that they're experiencing from tribulation and persecution. Paul was helping them heal some of their wounds and making sure they're going like, did we miss, did we miss something? Was there a door that we were supposed to go through that we missed? And he said, no, you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. I just want you to know the nature of persecution and tribulation. And if anyone understood the challenges of persecution and tribulation, it was the Apostle Paul. When I think about that, ultimately it leads me to the exact same one last thought that we had last week. May we remember that Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, trouble, conflict. But be of good cheer. I have a 